Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Yeah, before going any further, I just want to read to you the end of uh, chapter 11 of Romans, which is where the worship team has brought us this morning. And after 11 chapters of some of the finest doctrine in the world, Paul explodes with this doxology, with this paragraph of praise. Oh, the depth of the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. And the church agreed and said, Amen, Amen, Amen. Well, it's a privilege to worship with you this morning, and uh, before I dive into the message, I just want to, uh, you've noticed some uh, work's been going on here, and uh, we hope to have screens and AV restored by next Sunday, certainly the following Sunday at the latest, uh, but we're hopeful even for next Sunday. So I want to give thanks to uh, Paul Rasmussen and his team and uh, the people from Madison Place Community Church. You may not know this, but our neighbor church here uh, does a workday here once every quarter, and during this workday they painted and got this all uh, sorted out. So we're thankful for them. And uh, yes, and if you see those there that you know, please encourage them uh, in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to uh, invite my friend Steve Sessler to come and share. Steve is one of our elders. And... Um, He, uh, yeah. He has been uh, in hospital for about 30 days and uh, got out this week. And it's, uh, it's been a matter of prayer for our congregation. And Steve wanted to have the opportunity to say a few things this morning. So, Steve, it's all yours. And there are those in our family that are mourning. And the story doesn't always turn out this way. And so I just, I mourn with those who mourn. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. I want to start this morning and just thank you um, for your shocking acts of love. A few weeks ago, Sherry Collins wrote about MCC as a family, and that's surely how Judy and I feel. And I had such amazing, we had such amazing support from so many people in Cincinnati and around the world. My children and their precious son-in-laws, my grandchildren were amazing. My siblings were amazing. I had friends from around the world praying. But since I'm at MCC, I just want to say thank you to you. Um, we had hospital visits and texts and phone calls and meals and care packages for nurses. Um, Paul and Julie sat with Judy. The first day I went into the ER for till 11.15 at night. We had calls to Christ Hospital to try to get Judy in to see me. Uh, so many people sent passages to meditate on, flowers to the hospital, worship songs that were recorded and sent to me. Very precious. Um, just overwhelming acts of love. Um, I wanted to share two things this morning. One is the, the power and effectiveness of the prayers of earnest, righteous people. Um, Five weeks ago, January 2nd, was the beginning of a really tough stretch, apparently. And I was kind of going in and out. I went to the ER on the 31st. Judy came to the first service, was a little bit late. So she just, she needed to take a break. And um, she went outside, and Krista saw her and um, spoke 
over her Ephesians 6.10, the beginning of the passage of putting on the armor of God. And we didn't know that January 2nd, 3rd, 4th, 5th was going to be a really, really tough period. During that period, I remember kind of coming in and out, and at one time I kind of woke up and I saw all these new strange people in the room, and they were walking quickly back and forth. And I remember thinking, this is, this is probably not good. Um, but that five weeks ago, that January 2nd, Krista said to Judy, she said, um, she said, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And that kicked off the armor of God passage. And she said, Stephen is strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Judy, you are strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And, and you just meditate on that passage and you block out the world. Forget all the other junk. You just meditate on, on that passage. And Judy said that it just really changed her focus. It really changed her focus. And then um, Dennis and Marianne were up in Chicago with family. They cut their trip short. They came back. Much of my family was, was kind of gathered at my daughter Elizabeth's house over in East Walnut Hills. And so Dennis and Marianne came down. And Dennis said, you know, we've all seen those military movies where the Rangers are getting ready to battle, the SEALs are getting ready to go into battle. They're putting on their equipment. They're, they're checking their gear. Dennis said as he drove from Chicago to Cincinnati, um, he said, I was putting on the gear because I was going into battle. And we didn't know that that January 2nd, 3rd, 4th, 6th was going to be the tough times. But Krista kicked off the armor of God. Dennis and Marianne were driving from Chicago, putting on the armor of God. And they ministered to us greatly. And I want to tell you about one other interesting situation. I, uh, my mom went to heaven in August with a smile on her face. And at the receiving line, I met a guy in Louisville named Michael Terry. And it's one of these situations where within two minutes, it's like, I've known you for 10 years and we're tight. And he told me that he had cancer. And I said, well, I'm going to pray for you. I'd been praying for him. He goes to a big church in Louisville. And somehow on, on Sunday or Monday, I get word that Michael had heard about my situation. And that Sunday morning, he had his church pray for me. And it overwhelmed me because we've talked for three minutes in my life. That was last August. And I was thinking to myself, so often, if I have an important prayer request, I'll say, okay, I'll pray now and not worry about it, or I'll, I'll be sure to pray for Steve after church. But this dude took the initiative and said, I'm going to, I'm going to, so I, I, uh, I called him a few weeks ago just to thank him. And uh, he's a special guy. And his, he's, got, uh, he's got cancer, stem cell treatment in late March. So you can pray for Michael Terry in Louisville. The, uh, it's interesting. The, I've got, I'm trying to pull all this together. I don't remember a lot. I'm getting help. But uh, God keeps bringing me back to one message. And I've got several things he's taught me, but this is the main thing, uh, or he spoke to me. The message is love Jesus, love others, and eliminate the distractions. And that's the message he's given me every day. Um, a year ago or so, in our, we had a, a series on Colossians, and the in first chapter, the supremacy of Jesus just overwhelmed me. And about every other small group, I find an excuse to bring that up. But uh, I'm going to read just a couple of things. For in him, Jesus, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for that in everything he might have the supremacy. From speaking to me, not to you, speaking to me. If I am 99% Jesus and 1% distraction, that's not sufficient. It's got to be 100%. And I don't want it to be personally an academic exercise or something intellectual. You know, Psalm 16 says that, that he'll fill me with joy in his presence. 
And so for me, I just want to be overwhelmed with Jesus and just be filled with his joy in presence every day and a little bit more tomorrow than I am today. The, uh, what, what time does the second service start? <laughs> Go for it, bro. <laughs> you know, the, uh, so love Jesus, love others. The uh, Pharisees said, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? He said, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And these are the only two things that matter. The, uh, the last, I, I don't know if this was over an hour or over three nights. I don't know. But, and it's not like my li- life flashed before my eyes, but I had pictures of it felt like hundreds of, of instances in my life. Business meetings, driving down 71 to go to work, having, going to McDonald's with a child. But just like, I just had, it felt like hundreds. And the word I got was, so much of this is a distraction. And as I thought about it, for me, I translate that. You know, we all go to the grocery store and all go to Kroger's. And what I would typically do is I'd park. I'd be thinking about... Uh, what, what do I need to get? Uh, don't forget bananas. Should I get gas on the way home? Man, I hope the bingo's offensive line does a good job against the Rams. <laughs> I'm thinking about all that stuff. I go to Kroger, I come out. That'd be my typical grocery trip. And I think the flip for me, and that's a, that's a distracted trip. The flip for me is, if I get out of my car and say, Jesus, who needs you at Kroger? Who needs their food bought? Who needs a word of encouragement? Who needs me to help them in some way? And it just may be that I see someone in a wheelchair and I pray for them by myself. But I, I can then flip that trip from a distracted trip to a trip that loves Jesus and loves others. And so that's, that's really how I... I want to think about it. Mm. Um, let me pray. Good. Jesus, mm. I thank you for my MCC family, how they've been so kind to us, and um, how they've reflected your image of, of love, mercy, compassion, grace, kindness, um, not in theory, but in, in real stuff. Father, help us to... Uh, Love you with all of our heart. Love our neighbor well. Eliminate distractions. Help us to understand we've been crucified with Christ. And it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life I now live in the body. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Amen. Thank you, Steve. Thanks for taking the time. We're glad you're here. And we, uh, we want to learn the things you've learned along with you. So praise be to God. And same to you, Judy. We bless you. Let's keep going, huh? Amen. All right. Well, that's a perfect uh, introduction to this morning's message on uh, living sacrifice and serving. So we're moving now to the third part of our series from uh, the first part was in Corinthians, the gifts of the Spirit. The second part was in Ephesians 4, the gifts of Jesus. And this is now in Romans 12. You can turn to Romans 12, verse 1. And this is part three. Uh, For sake of uh, honoring the Trinity, we're going to call these the Father's gifts, even though all of the gifts come with grace and all of the Father and all of the Son and all of the Holy Spirit is in us uh, through the work of Jesus and through the Holy Spirit, but one way to look at it. So I'm going to give a brief introduction to Romans 12, and then I'm going to zero in on uh, the gift of serving, which is in uh, verse 6. So um, 
verse 7, sorry. So uh, just by way of uh, opening this up, I'll tell a quick story. Um, we were reassigned by P&G from Toronto to Australia, and the way our trip worked, we went through Hong Kong, and uh, so we experienced uh, an amazing first time in Asia, and an amazing thing about the culture of Asia is that serving is a high honor. It's a high honor in their culture. And so we experienced this incredible service uh, at, at the, this hotel in Hong Kong. And then we uh, flew down to Australia. And after several weeks of trying to uh, figure out how to get phone service at our house and how to figure out how to get lights installed in our house and other things, uh, we were told by someone who had traveled the world that the only service you will find in Australia is on the tennis court. And that, that, that's the culture. And I think what we're going to be looking at here in Romans 12 is a culture, is a way of thinking about uh, the gifts that God has given us, and in specific today, the gift of service. And, uh, you know, the, these these gifts uh, that are on this list, some of you may be saying, oh good, I can't wait, we're getting into some gifts that I understand, and they seem to be more rational and more approachable, like serving and giving and leading and hospitality. But I want to emphasize that all of these gifts are still supernatural. All of these gifts, and I will, I will explain why as we get in a little bit later into the message, and there's many gifts that are described in the Bible that are not on these lists. So if some of your gifts haven't even come up yet, you may be wondering, well, there's the gift of creativity and craftsmanship and communication and storytelling and music and the creation of parables and poetry and writing, uh, um, among others. So they're, they're, these are not limited to the lists we've studied. God is moving and uh, bringing these everywhere. So let's read the text today, uh, Romans 12, verses 1 to 8. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. These are the very words of God. And I'm going to, this morning, just give us a brief context of why the letter to the Romans was written, what was Paul's main point in this letter, and then as we come into chapter 12, how it fits in with the story so far. And the first five verses, I'm going to call those the Father's expectations. How does the Father expect that we will interact? And then verses 6 to 8 are the Father's gifts. And I will briefly overview those. And then I'm going to spend most of the time in serving and what that looks like as a way of life. And then we'll have a call to action and we'll uh, move, into the, move into the final worship together as we take that step of action together. So Father, as we uh, unpack this word that you've given us, uh, we just ask that you speak to each person here, each person online, that... Uh, listens to this message, touch them in the place where you want to touch them, and uh, Lord, that you would be glorified and lifted up uh, as uh, we consider uh, 
uh, these words and as we consider our response to these words. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. So, the context of Romans. Why did Paul write the letter to the Romans? He wrote it in about 56 or 57 AD. The purpose of his writing was that he was on his way to Rome, but there was a big thing going on in the background in Rome. In AD 49, the emperor had uh, exiled all the Jews from Rome. So Claudius said, anybody who's Jewish, you got to get out of here. So instantly, in AD 49, all of the churches in Rome went from being churches of mixed Jewish and Gentile uh, nationalities, ethnicities, and it became all Gentile churches. And seven years later, they were streaming, the Jews were streaming back into Rome, into their homes, into their churches. And Paul knew that the Gentiles uh, would, would have difficulty because a lot of the Jewish people coming back would be more knowledgeable about the scriptures, uh, more understanding of what God was doing. And so he wrote them this letter obviously to focus on God, but also to say, you need each other. So in chapter 1, he talks about how the Gentiles are messed up. In chapter 2, he talks about how the Jews are messed up. In chapter 3, he talks about how they all need the gospel. They all need the righteousness of Christ, and there's no other way. In chapter 4, he gives the Jews the example of Abraham, that everything happens by faith, not by the works of the law. In chapter 5, he talks about the, new, the old Adam and the new Adam, which would speak to the Gentiles, and that, that they need a transformation in Christ. In chapter 6, he would remind the Jews, you can't live by the law. In chapter 7, he would remind the Gentiles, you can't be licentious. In chapter 8, he says, the only way to live is by the Holy Spirit. In chapter 9 and 10 and 11, he talks about the role of Israel in the unfolding of God's plan that the Gentiles are being grafted in and the Jews are going to come in fullness later. So now there's only a remnant of Jewish people. So you need each other. And then he finishes with that doxology that I read there. So that's the background to the word therefore. When he says in verse 1, okay, so uh, this is what I need you to do. That's all about learning to live and work together through all of the differences and all of the, especially in this case, the racial differences. And unfortunately, Paul's letter over the long haul was not obeyed. And in the first two centuries, the Gentile believers essentially kicked the Jewish believers out of the churches. And at the Council of Nicaea in 325, we had a prohibition for the Jewish believers to exercise the background of their faith in Passover and all the other things that were part of that Jewish heritage. These are believers. This is not the, the non-believing Jews. This is the believing Jews. And so the, the, the first, if you will, ethnic split in the church happened in that third and fourth century. And, you know, we have had all kinds of splits since in all kinds of ways. Probably one of the, the most difficult was the way the white church rejected the black church uh, in the early century and two centuries of the founding of our country. And what is so much of a blessing and what I want to speak now is that we have the privilege of several African Americans who live and worship in our family. And they have been the minority, but they've also been loved and welcomed. And they have, uh, just as Steve describes the, the kind of change that God has brought him, they have brought that kind of change here. And in leadership of Lewis and Crystal, uh, in serving like Naj, uh, and Martha, um, Krista, Taylor, and Charles, uh, but also Eddie, uh, who plays drums with us, uh, and but also our connection with ministries like City Gospel Mission and Lucreta Bowman, our connection with New Life uh, Temple, Ralph Godfrey, and our connection with New Mission, 
uh, Tracy Ventus and his people. And this, because we've anchored our friendships on the gospel, this has changed our congregation and has changed us and has grown us. And this idea of forging a new path, a new history together in the gospel has been a part of it. And I just want to say that this is uh, our modern-day application of this big divide, and we're, we're, gonna, we're not going to stand for it, and we're going to pray, and we're going to worship together, and we're going to serve together, and uh, we're going to do our best to understand each other and experience the transformation of the gospel. This is not what happened, unfortunately, in the centuries after Paul wrote this letter. So that's, that's the, the context of this thing, and uh, when we get into chapter 12, Paul is now outlining in the first five verses the expectations. And so he says, you know, therefore, there's 11 chapters of mercies here, ways that God has moved and made it possible for sinners who are broken, people who are broken, relationships across racial lines that are broken, all kinds of relationships broken can be brought together by the power of the gospel, by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so he says uh, very clearly here that, look, I want because of these mercies that we have received from God, that we have not earned, that there's no way to earn, we are now uh, asked by the Father to present our bodies as living sacrifice. And you have to understand that the culture for thousands of years was the sacrifice. And now what what God is, the picture is, I want to trade out dead animals for living people. I want the cost of our worship, the cost of walking together in the gospel, I want that to be a living sacrifice. I want you to throw your bodies on the flame of difficulty, of inconvenience, of lack of comfort, whatever that would be, to be that living sacrifice to God, that the aroma of our lives poured out would become our acceptable spiritual worship. And so it would be a a living embodiment where our time is not our own, our talent is not our own, our treasure is not our own, and we pour out and take the inconvenience and take the challenge and take the difficulty, and that is the holy, acceptable worship. The word there is even logical worship. If we see what Christ has done for us on the cross, the logical response is that worship that is that living sacrifice uh, moving from these dead animals to these living people who have been crucified with Christ and he's no longer, they're no longer living their own life. He's living in them because he purchased them. And as he continues, he says for the grace, uh, so that uh, because of this living sacrifice, he says, do not be conformed to the world. Do not do things the way the world does them but be transformed, and the transformation happens by the renewing of the mind. So the mind has to be changed first. This is where the idea of repentance and metanoia, the the transformation of the mind, leads uh, to the place where you can actually know God, as Marissa testified last week, that you can actually know the love of God, you can experience that love of God for you because Your mind has been renewed. And when you have that renewal and the Holy Spirit is fully operating in you, then you can test and know and discern the will of God. You can know God. You can know His will. You can know what He considers to be good and acceptable and perfect. And that word perfect there could also be translated fully finished. So as we live the living sacrifice as our response of spiritual worship to the gospel as we continue to have our minds transformed by the renewing 
of our, our, our lives transformed by the renewing of our minds, we then open up and can discern and test the will of God. And then in verse 3, he says, For the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of yourself more highly than he ought to think. This is section now is sounding like 1 Corinthians 12 and 14. He goes on and says, But to think with sober judgment, uh, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. And so we obviously have different measures of faith. So we have to operate according to the measures of faith. Everyone will not react to everything the way you react to things uh, because there will be different levels and different understandings of faith. And then he goes on to the body analogy, which is also like 1 Corinthians 12. We have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. And Paul uses the uh, example of body parts uh, in, in 1 Corinthians 12. Here he's using the same idea of the members that we're working together. And it says, So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and we're individually members of one another. In the NIV translation, that says, We belong to one another. So just to put this into kind of a living practice, Turn to some people near you and say, um, we belong to one another. Just do that now. We belong to one another. So we belong to one another. And uh, as we close the service, uh, I'm going to have us demonstrate that a little bit more physically. But... We are not our own. We belong to each other. So from there, having sort of laid out his expectations, then there's a listing of gifts. And uh, it says, diff gifts that, in verse 6, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Uh, if prophecy in proportion to our faith. Again, we've, we've taught through this that prophecy you can have different levels of prophecy everybody can prophesy but some have got uh, more faith and so more understanding more scriptural background however more gifting if service in our serving and the one who teaches in his teaching and the one who exhorts in his exhortation uh, the one who contributes in generosity the one who leads with zeal the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness so you see uh, eight gifts there in that list. And actually, I've, I've gone down to verse 13, and I've picked up hospitality. So we've got, we've got uh, eight gifts there. We've already covered prophecy, and we've already covered teaching. So today I'm going to do service, and then in the following five weeks, we're going to do exhortation, giving, leading, mercy, and then hospitality. And then we will have another sharing Sunday to see how God is working amongst us through all those gifts. So these gifts that we've just listed are, are very practical. They're, they're very rational. Each is, though, a miracle of grace. And here's how we know these are supernaturally powered. If we try to serve or exhort or give or lead or exercise mercy or extend hospitality in our own strength, which is possible, uh, then we will experience burnout. What makes these gifts supernatural is that they are empowered by the Spirit. So yes, we can have them in the natural realm, but as they are empowered by the Spirit, then we have uh, the, the likelihood that we can serve lavishly, but not burn out. Because we're serving in the gift that God's given us by the grace that he's given us with the faith that he's given us in his power, in his strength. So these gifts may appear to be more accessible than, say, tongues or the interpretation of tongues, but they're equally supernatural and they have to be done in that to be sustainable and actually to be properly motivated. So, uh, I'm going to focus for the rest of the time here on serving. And this word serving is the word diakonia. Say that. Right. It's, 
it happens a lot in the scriptures and it describes a number of different things. It actually describes the work that Moses did in bringing the Ten Commandments to the people down from the mountain. It refers to the work of the apostles. It refers to the work of the prophets and the evangelists and the elders in the church. Uh, it refers to those who render Christian affection. It refers to those who are involved in the distribution of funds for charity. It is reflecting the office of the deacon in the church. It's the very same word. It is the word in Ephesians 4.12 where the apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers equip the people for the service, the diaconia of ministry. So it is a, a very clear link back to Ephesians 4. This is now the service. In Hebrews, it even says the angels serve. It's translated ministering spirits to those who believe. But the angels, uh, it, it refers to the people who prepare and serve food. And we've, we've had the blessing of that in this church through our meals, take him a meal, and through uh, those gifted like the chef. Uh, it refers to the, the work Martha was doing to prepare a meal for Jesus and his friends. It refers to the ministry of the word. When we come Sunday morning, we are serving you a meal in the word of God. So that word serving applies to the teaching of God's word. It applies to Paul's mission work in his mission trips. It involves the service of reconciliation, the service of giving. Uh, so, but the greatest one of all, the greatest diaconia of all, was Jesus, who said, I came not to be served, but to serve. I came for diaconia. And so this is, this is the gift. It is broadly applicable. It is actually a way of life. It is a way of life. It is a it means that as a living sacrifice, your life and my life are not our own. Our time is not our own. So we are uh, giving our lives. Paul said to the Thessalonians, we didn't just bring you the gospel, but we gave you our very lives. And I see that a lot in this congregation. I see that uh, John Wimber line that was referenced uh, I think Wednesday night I'm a penny in the Lord's pocket and he can spend me any way he wants that takes an attitude shift doesn't it you know we were praying this morning and you know we were talking about serving and praying for serving and uh, one of the members of the uh, worship team basically said yeah if you're thinking of an organization you're a volunteer if you're thinking of a family, you're serving. I think that's the shift that I'm praying would be part of the new thing God is doing here, this shift into a deeper level of understanding that when it comes to family, we serve. And so on the back of your uh, lyric sheet, there's... A list that used to be it used to be titled volunteer opportunities a gift to the rest. daily walk and and throes of life and we have examples in the scriptures we have dorcas who in acts 9 is raised from the dead and we see that she was someone who walked in in this gift and who made clothing and and served we have uh in our congregation uh we have a story uh, that's been unfolding the entire 18 years I've been here, which is how Matt and Paula Ayer have been encouraging and serving Bonnie Smith through uh, just the challenging parts of her life, needing these opportunities, and Matt and Paula have treated her like family for a long time. And now as she goes into chemotherapy and... Uh, uh, we pray for her healing. We also, uh, we also rejoice that um, she, even though she hasn't been in this building for a long time, she is a member of the family 
um, who is being cared for by uh, Matt and Paula. And uh, there's so many examples. I mean, yesterday, uh, out there, uh, all afternoon, pounding away on ice, Mark Symes getting his work out um, so we could uh, arrive safely here today. Uh, and, you know, I, I love the chosen. It, it depicts Jesus. And in, in, the, in the chosen, you know, you see Jesus uh, telling the guys, the sons of thunder, hey, the farmers let us stay on his land. I want you to clear this field of all the rocks today. And then he tells some of the other disciples, hey, I want to leave four days worth of wood. I want you to go and drag out wood, and I want you to leave four days worth of wood. What for, Master? For the next people who use this spot. And that, that's just proactive training of responding uh, into those needs. Fernando and Yadira Perez have served for 20 years uh, as the leaders of the Casa Hogar Mama Polita. Um, there was a, a gap and there were 50 children who needed attention. And the church there asked them to take this responsibility and talk about dropping your whole life and moving to serve these families, uh, these children. Absolutely incredible. And for, for years. Uh, and and not, not getting uh, acclaim and not getting uh, certainly a big paycheck and not getting much rest. But God has brought them through it with vitality, with patience, with growing maturity. And it's, it's been a beautiful thing to watch. So serving as a way of life, serving and stepping into service. And so as you look at the back of your lyric sheet, there's all these serving opportunities. But as you see on the QR code there, we have a conference that we are hosting. We will have people from the city. We will obviously have people from our church, but we'll have people from the city. So I'd like us, as a, as, as a team, as a family, to uh, all of us to sign up uh, to serve for all the weekend or part of the weekend. And uh, if you're going to be in town, I just encourage you to serve. If you will write your name and your contact information at the Connect Desk, there's some sheets there. If you would just make that your application from this message to just step into that uh, and let, you know, that'll make the difference between the staff making 100 phone calls. Can you do this? Can you do that? And it'll be, no, I, I want to love on our city. I want to represent Jesus well, and I'm going to make this easy because obviously the more we have, the better and easier the work's going to be. Uh, and then we can spend the rest of the time enjoying the conference. So uh, I just want to encourage you as you think about, okay, how to apply this step. It's the shift between responding to a request to be a volunteer versus a family member who looks and sees and steps into the opportunity. Is, is that clear? Am I making myself clear what the shift is? And, and I think that in the power of the Holy Spirit will bless and transform each and every one of us as we experience this next several weeks together, this conference together, as we step up and, and, and welcome uh, other churches and other parts of the city to, to this time, that we will be a blessing and we will be living sacrifices in a fresh way, perhaps. So I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. And I would like... Uh, yeah, worship team, come on up. So I would like us, as we, as we think about this... Um, Let's, uh, let's be one body together. You know, when they were building the tabernacle in the desert, you read several times that they clasped everything together so it would be one unit. It would be one unit place for God to dwell. When they stripped Jesus of his clothes before he went to the cross, the gospel writers tell us that his undergarment was seamless and it was woven as one piece 
I believe that's a reference to God wants to dwell in a unified tabernacle. The Son of God dwelt in a garment that was seamless and unified. And now the Holy Spirit wants to dwell in a family that is unified. And so let's stand, and I know you might have, uh, we're going to sing a song called Take My Life. It's a song that essentially invites God, as an application of this passage, invites God to receive us as living sacrifices. And I know we have COVID, so I, I want to be sensitive to that, but I would like to somehow bring this body together so that maybe we can lock arms if you're with somebody that you're comfortable holding hands with, fine. If not, or just touch somebody on the shoulder. But I'd like, I'd like the body that's present here to be, to, be one, to be one piece. That'll mean we probably have to climb in together. And um, yeah, and stay, stay far enough apart if you're concerned so that you just have hands on shoulders, then you can be, or hands on elbow to elbow. But again, I'm not trying to create a COVID nightmare. I'm just trying to, I'm trying to demonstrate the I'm trying to demonstrate the oneness of the body. So Father, as we think about this text, as we think about what you intended by the word living sacrifice, by what you intended uh, as a family who belongs to each other, what you intended as this unified, proactive body of Messiah bringing the kingdom to the earth through prayer and faith and action. And Lord, um, even as we think about uh, hosting the city uh, one month from now, from this weekend, we just invite you, Lord, to take our lives and use them for your glory. So let's worship the Lord and sing this song and just invite us all to make that commitment to have God take our lives however he wants. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, for thee. Take my moments and my days, let them move in ceaseless praise. Take my hands and let them move at the impulse of thy love. Take my feet and let them be swift and beautiful for these. Take my voice and let me sing always only for my King. Take my lips and let them be filled with messages
Father, we invite you to take our lives and to uh, deploy us any way that you see fit. Father, help us to see that the fields are white. Help us to see um, what is happening around us. Help us to be 100% focused on you and others and Lord, eliminate our distraction. Eliminate our hurry. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. For those who will uh, sign for serving at the Jack Deere conference, you will be in touch with, staff members will be in touch with you this week. Uh, We have about 12 different teams doing different things, so there should be a wide variety of talent that we need and a wide variety of uh, serving times. And remember, we, we don't serve when we can't. So if you're out of town or you're going to be away on part of the time, then serve with what you have available to serve with. Um, and I'm going to give you a benediction from Jesus in Mark 9.35. If anyone would be first... He must be last of all and diaconia of all. Be blessed this week in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.